and thank you so much for joining us once again. It is a live show. You can catch these on my server. There will be a link below. Thank you so much for coming out, everyone who did, everyone who listens. I do appreciate you. I have a lot of fun with these things. I hope that you come out sometime and that you have some fun with me. And with that, the recording of the actual live show has begun. Thank you to everybody who's come out. I do appreciate it and you very, very much indeed. Just getting everything all set up today. So like a lot of you, today I almost died. Uh, by which I mean someone came and knocked on my door and I didn't know who they were. And that's always a moment of fight or flight for me. It is a very strange moment. Uh, I live in a situation where I have security doors, so I have a big metal door that goes up outside like a gate before uh, you get to my actual wooden front door. And so to knock on this gate, it makes a horrible metal, uh, metallic rattle. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere, and it doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's the first knock of the year. And uh, it was a big one. It went da 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 da, and it just totally uh, like threw me and Mrs. Kitty. Mrs. Kitty was sleeping right next to me, and she jumped off, and like I I uh, I felt my whole fight or flight response activate. And this is a story of victory and healing, because it didn't actually take me more than a minute or two to de-escalate. I. 100% just, I didn't answer, I didn't care, because I wasn't expecting anybody. Uh, the only thing that I did that would be deemed crazy is I turned my phone to mute, just in case somebody was going to call after that, and I didn't, again, know who they were or what was happening. Um, and uh, also, I just can't help it, even though I haven't done anything wrong. I always kind of think it's the police. I don't know why. I just do. If somebody, da, 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 like that's a very authoritative knock. And I just kind of like, oh, no, it's the cops. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't, it'd be fine if it were. Like, they're like, we smell the weed. It's like, I have a card. You know, like there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any issue. Um, so it would have been fine. And so I just wanted to talk about how crazy that is to me that, I got in a PTSD state and then allowed myself to get out of it really, really quick. And it felt wonderful because it wasn't like I had to talk to myself or uh, bring myself out of it. I didn't have to rationalize or deal with myself in any way. I just said, you know what? It's some random person. They've knocked on the door. They're going to go away. Uh, everything is fine. And within about an hour, of that sudden like, oh no, I'm gonna die. It's the police, it's all over. I went to sleep. I took a little nappy nap. I got out of my PTSD head. I went, I took a nap. It was the nap I wanted to take. I was nice and tired. I slept, I didn't have crazy nightmares. I didn't feel adrenal when I woke up. Uh, it, was, it was just a fine thing. And uh, I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I had a really good time. Now, that being said, when I woke up, I was kind of like, oh, man, I wouldn't mind going to jail. Like, I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to prison. 
But I realized when I woke up from my nap, I was like, I wouldn't mind going to jail, though. I wouldn't mind going to jail at all. Here are my reasons. Here, here's why I would go to jail and be okay with it. Like, I don't want to. It's not optimal. But if somebody was like, hey, you got to go to jail. Like, I'm assuming by somebody, I mean, like, a court of law, because I'm not going to do it if any... Like, I'm not going to do it if a game show host tells me. You need to go to jail! Like, I'm not going to do it. I'll go on the game show, but if I win money, I take the money. And if you sentence me to jail, I'm not going to voluntarily do it. <laughs> Come after me, game show lawyers. We'll see what happens. Uh, so if a court of law is like, you got to go to jail, I got to tell you, here are the perks. Ready? Number one, in for less than a year, so I would hate it less than this apartment. It's number one. Number two. Wouldn't have to pay rent, but would still make money, so I'd hate it way less than this apartment. Number three, would lose weight, finally. <laughs> Number four, I would get more socialization done during my jail sentence than I have the last decade. <laughs> Number five, street cred, because I'll actually be one of the few romantic authors who's been inside the joint. Number six, I'll actually really, really, really want to fuck some of my fans by the time I get out. Just being stuck with a bunch of fucking jailbirds, I guarantee you by the time I'm out, I'll actually really miss you guys. And you'll be like, Jack, what can I do to turn you on? It's like, exist. Breathe. And even that, if you're going to stop doing that, if it's a warm enough day, eh. Like, you know... Uh, it's, <laughs> I thought about it a lot and I was like, wow, if I went to jail, I would come out wealthier, uh, sexier, just as, just as desired. I mean, depending on what I went in for, obviously, just as desired by you guys. Uh, and, and I'd have a, I'd have a, you know, I'd have a little joie de vivre going on. Who would take care of my cat? Ah, eh, small price to pay. She's gonna die eventually. She's an old lady. So, like, I can't, I can't base every year of my life around my cat. I've already done that for uh, 13 and a half years. I don't need to do it for the next one. Who would take care of my cat? I have like five different ladies of the night, honestly. If, if, if it went downhill. Or if like I had, if like if I got big enough that they're like, here's an overseas tour. That's so funny, thinking it like in those terms right now. But sometimes I still do because I'm arrogant and kind of crazy. So if like ever there is an overseas tour, I know exactly the ladies of the night that I would ask. I have like uh, five of them. I'm like five that I'm like, I think I could trust you with a cat. And if the cat wasn't there when I came back, nah, nah. We've had a good run, haven't we, kitty? Haven't we, kitty? She was just making noise. I thought she might come out. Will you say hi to all the girls? They like it when you say hi. You guys hear that? <laughs> One more time. Will you say hi? Will you say hi to all the girls?
Yeah? You guys hear it? Okay. <laughs> I can never tell. I can never tell which of her mews are going to be picked up by the mic or not, because sometimes she'll yell at me and you guys don't react, so you're clearly not hearing her, because you guys love the cat more than you love me. Okay, quick quotes, now that we've talked about me being a jailbird. Quick quotes. If you put in quotation marks, I say it. If you put in quotation marks and you're at the live show, I have to read that stuff. Unless it's like really, really nasty and dirty or meme-y. Meme-y, nasty, and dirty are all the same thing to me. If something is a meme for meme's sake, then that's the exact same as if you're taking like a beautiful meal and just dumping it in oil and then throwing it on my plate. Like actual oil, like mechanical oil, just like taking a beautiful piece of sandwich bread and just dunking it in black oil. Don't meme for meme's sake, kids. Don't be all like, oh, I, I read something funny. It, it said do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. No, I, I saw a meme that said do a barrel roll, so now I'm going to put in quotation marks, do a barrel roll. Because I saw it on the internet. I saw it. Guys, put in. Guys, I'm, I'm like stretching this out so you guys put some stuff in quotation marks. Come on, hurry up. So do a barrel roll. Now, I probably just uh, isolated tons of you. Does anybody here even remember do a barrel roll while we wait for the quotations to come filtering in? Do a barrel roll? Is that? Because I've now said it like a million times. So if you do know that meme and you thought it was funny, I've said it so many times. Do a barrel roll. So enjoy that from 2007, from 2006, maybe even older. <clears throat> okay, quick quotes. Did I fucking stutter? Hello, beautiful. The only thing I want to hear out of your mouth is yes, sir. One more time on that one. That sir was soft. <clears throat> the only thing I want to hear out of your mouth is yes, sir. Hello, love. I missed you. Deep breaths, baby girl. I've got you. Come lay next to me. I've got you. It's going to be okay. You're stronger than you think, baby. Congratulations. You did well tonight. Okay, guys, quick quotes, especially if you haven't said one tonight or if you're new and you want me to say something, go ahead and drop it right on in. Be happy to go ahead and do that. If you have put one out there, let's go ahead and move it right along. We don't actually have that many requests tonight, but I do want to keep the show on a rolling as we roll on through the show. You did well on every single challenge that has been thrown at you. I'm proud of you. 
I want you to fuck me like it's my last night on this earth. Come here, baby girl. Sit on my lap and let me kiss you. Don't worry, Daddy will find all your favorite spots. You are my favorite good girl. <laughs> mm. Delicious. But I know something that will taste even better. Shut the fuck up and bend over. Okay, guys. <laughs> oh, is there a nice one to end it on? Can we get one nice one, one nice little one to end it on? That's not nice. Growling isn't nice. Do you like it when a dog does it to you? Can we get a nice one to end it on? I'll do a growl. <clears throat> That's so, I feel so silly doing that. I know it turns some of you on. I'm blushing very hard. It's so silly. <clears throat> All right, while they're coming in. You're so silly. You're so strange. All right, let's finish up on the nice stuff. You're so cute. Let me kiss you all over and make it better. Thank you, baby girl. You did so well. And that's quick quotes. And thank you for saying that I do whatever that is I do with my tongue so well. And you don't even get to benefit from it when you hear it over audio only. <laughs> I can do that with my tongue inside your pussy or on your clit. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I do it and you die a little. <laughs> and then you put up with my bullshit. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's not funny. <laughs> it's a little funny. <laughs> uh, the worst thing about it is, the worst thing about it is, I know both at how good I am at giving head, all right? That's already pretty dangerous for a guy to know. I think a lot of you don't let men know, right? Like, unless you lock a guy down, you don't tell him that he's the best at giving you head that you've ever gotten. Do you? Have you ever let that slip out with some fuck boy? When you were just tossing around with some guy and having fun and he gave you really great head where you're like, that was, that was, a, you're amazing. Oh my God. Did you really do that? No, absolutely not. You don't like where that's going to go. Uh-uh. So I already know how dangerous it is. Once. Exactly. The girl says once. Right. Because then he's all like, oh shit, I only have to lick it once a week again. Right? Exactly. 
I, I hear you. Because I've been that fuckboy. I also live my 20s. So, my bad. However, number one, I already know it's bad when... <laughs> when you know it as yourself as the guy, right? Well, that's already That's already bad. Two... Even though I know that I'm also very good at it, I'm also into it. It's a power move for me. So when I eat a woman out, when I'm going a little bit crazy, I enjoy fucking her shit up. I do. I want her to... Sometimes they squirt when I lick a woman. Sometimes they pass out. It's happened three different times, I'm I'm proud to say. Sometimes they just kind of like thrash around and fuck up their hair. And I, and I want those reactions. I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to be just absolutely cruel about it, too. Like, what's my technique? I lick pussy. I mean, I honest to God, like, I don't understand at a live show how you want me to possibly answer the question, what's your technique to be so good with your tongue? Uh, the answer is, I use my tongue, and I'm so good. If you want a demonstration, uh, you, you can pay me a thousand dollars a night. I'm up for it. I, 100%, uh, if we're going to be a little bit more serious than that, I, I 100% think that I'm so good, or that my technique is so improved, not, not because of some great mastery. I mean, yeah, I read the Kama Sutra as a teenage boy. Who has it? Who didn't? What teenage boy didn't read the Kama Sutra before he had his first lover just to have, like, a guidance post? What, what, what fat, undated, virgin, 14-year-old didn't walk to a library and get the Kama Sutra and read every fucking page and be like, okay, okay, all right. Oh, okay, finger in the ass. Okay, sure, got it. Sure, all of us, right? Every last one of us read that D&D monster manual for sex before we even kissed a girl, right? All of us did. Uh, honest to goodness, if you, could, if you could, like, Skyrim it, right? If you could read a book and then you could, just, you could just fuck a girl or eat pussy really great, that book would be a really, really good seller. I'm going to tell you why I think that's the case. Because there was a book in the, I think it was the 70s, called Everything, the title is Everything That Men Know About Women. Everything That Men Know About Women is the name of the book. It was a number one bestseller. If you open it up, it was all blank pages all the way through. That was a number one bestseller because women found that so goddamn enjoyable. I'm just guaranteeing you, if somebody actually wrote down whatever my great pussy technique was and put it in a book, I'm pretty sure women would buy some copies and just start throwing them. Like the Da Vinci Code? I don't know how many of you people remember this. The Da Vinci Code? It was a big popular thing with the Da Vinci Code that you would finish reading the Da Vinci Code and then you would leave it out in public for someone else to find the Da Vinci Code? That's a true thing. You can look that up. People leaving Da Vinci Code out for strangers to read it. I'm just guaranteeing you, if I had a guaranteed way to teach my pussy technique, the Da Vinci Code would already be happening with that book. So I can't hand down that knowledge. This isn't that kind of... I I don't know what to tell you besides... (laughs) Much like Podrick from Game of Thrones, I had sex with my first whore 
I mean, she wasn't professionally, but she was definitely on her way to being one personality and partner-wise. I had sex with my first whore, and she was like, What was that? What was that? What were you, what were you doing? I was like, I, I was grabbing your thighs and your ass and your hips, and I was pinning you down because you kept trying to get away from me, and I was fucking you up with my tongue. That's what it was. What are you talking about? Like, you were there for it. What are you talking about? And then... I just kind of assumed for a while there, this is a true, this is all true. All of these things are true. 14 year old, Kama Sutra, never been kissed, all true. Licking, licking that pussy, holding a girl down because she was trying to get away, all true. This next part is true as well. The woman, the woman that I first really licked pussy at because she let me, she said I was so amazing and I was so great and that she loved it. And I went home I walked home. <laughs> so how could it could have been? I walked home, and I just thought, hmm, women really will just say anything to stroke a man's ego. It's true. It's 100% true. I did not believe her. I thought she was just saying it to be nice. I 100% thought that's what happens after sex. That's what I've been told. Like, women just say, like, every guy's walking around going, like, I'm the best ever at sex. I'm so good at it. And my assumption was it's because they would have sex, and then immediately the woman would be like, you're the best ever. You're the greatest ever at sex. And that's how, and that's how they, and so I was like, oh, this is just my experience. This is just how it happens with me. I, <laughs> I lick one pussy. They say I'm the best, and now I pretend to believe it. Uh, it took a few more samples. It took a few more tries for that to happen. Everybody who questions when I do a voice, why I do that voice, fuck off. Every single time I do a voice and somebody goes, why did you do that voice? Middle finger to you. Every single time. Oh my God. Why did I do it? To entertain you. Obviously it didn't work. Feel free to fucking die. Oh my God, what else could possibly be about you? I guess you're making this because nothing else is. Can I make this about me? Can I make this about me? This, I, no one's paid attention to me in 10 minutes. I have an observation that's a meme. It's the way that people on the internet approve of me. That's what I think. <laughs> When, it, when somebody, why did I do it at a show? Why did I do it at a show? Can you imagine any other fucking like form of entertainment being that much of an asshole? Like, like, why did you tell that joke? Hey, stand-up comic, why did you tell that joke? Hey, actor, why did you say that line? Ugh, double middle fingers. Why? For your enjoyment. Clearly didn't work out. Let's let's get into the poetry so I don't have to talk about myself and my voice anymore getting judged in real time by the internet. <sighs> People on the internet judging me. How dare you? How dare you? I came from you and I surpassed you. I know where you're at, internet person, internet people. I was one of you once and then I transcended. <laughs> All right, this is getting a little too weird. Obviously, I hit the pipe a little too hard before we started tonight. Let's get into the poetry. 
This is why you guys have to give me more. This is my fifth time saying, let's get into the poetry and something. This is why you guys have to give me more things to read. Because when I vamp it out like this, when I vamp it out and I just put myself in it, I can never tell if you guys are going to be laughing along with those rants or not. When I put myself into it, it's either a huge success or a total unmitigated disaster. And it's never gone any other way. I'm laughing and having a good time, but I can never tell. You can never tell once you start, like, like throwing stuff back at the audience. If the audience is like, hey, hey, we were supposed to throw things at you. It's not, you're not supposed to catch them and throw them back. Everybody sitting at home, not in the live show, like right now, I feel like they sit at home like, what the fuck? Why would anyone listen to a podcast of this? There's only two options. When I listen to a podcast like this, I'm either laughing and I'm doing chores and I don't ever want it to end, or I'm pressing that next 15 seconds all the time. And now I'm going to keep saying 15 seconds over and over again so that people pressing that 15 second button skip forward in 15 seconds, but they still hear me saying 15 seconds. And they're like, is he still saying 15 seconds? 15 seconds. He's not still saying 15 seconds, is he? I keep skipping and I keep hearing 15, 15 seconds, 15 seconds. I keep hearing 15 seconds, no matter how much I skip. That can't be right. It's just broken. It's just going through 15 seconds over again. It can't just be them saying 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds. He keeps saying 15 seconds. He's not going to keep saying 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds. Nobody does that. Nobody keeps going. Nobody's going to keep going and saying 15 seconds for longer than 15 seconds. All right, come to a fucking live show. Here we go. <clears throat> My darling turns to poetry at night. What began as flirtation and aside between abstract expression and first light now finds form as a silent, startled flight. Of commas on her face, a breath, a word. A darling turns to poetry at night. When rain inspires the night birds to create rhyme and formal verse, stanzas can be made between abstract expressionism and first light. Her heartbeat is a metaphor, a late bloom of red flowers that refuse to fade. My darling turns to poetry at night. I watch her turn. I do not sleep. I wait for symbols, for a sign that fear has died between abstract expression and first light. Her dreams have night vision, and in her sight our bodies leave ghost prints on the bed. My darling turns to poetry at night between abstract expression and first light. My Darling Turns to Poetry at Night by Anthony Lawrence. Very, very, very somber. Very, very tone switch there between what I was doing and what we got there. So here we go. <clears throat> Amber husk, fluted with gold, fruit on the sand, marked with rich grain. Treasure, spilled near the shrub pines to bleach, on the boulders. Your stalk has caught root among wet pebbles and drift flung by the sea and grated shells and split conch shells. Beautiful 
widespread, fire upon leaf. What meadow yields so fragrant a leaf as your bright leaf? Sea Poppies by H.W. That was a pretty interesting one. I have no idea what that even meant. It's always interesting when a poet chooses to rhyme the word with the same word, and they did it multiple times. Huh. <clears throat> Can we learn wisdom watching insects now, or just the art of quiet observation? Creatures from the world of leaf and flower marking weather's variation. The huge dry summer of the ladybirds, we thought we'd never feel such heat again, started with white cabbage butterflies sipping at thin trickles in the drain. Then one by one the ladybirds appeared, obeying some far purpose of design. We marveled at their numbers in the garden, grouped together, shuffled in a line. Each day, a few strays turned up at the table. The children laughed to see them near the jam, exploring round the edges of a spoon. One tried to drink the moisture on my arm. How random and how frail seemed their lives, and yet how they persisted. Refugees, saving energy by keeping still and hiding in the grass and the trees. And then one day they vanished overnight. Clouds gathered, storm exploded, weather cleared. All the wishes that we might have had in such abundance simply disappeared. Summer of the Ladybirds. Vivian Smith. Okay. Cracking my neck, because let's get into this. I've decided I'm only going to crack my neck at live shows now, at live events, so that if I have a seizure and die, you all have to watch it happen. That's how I leave this world, is listening to a bunch of women, like, gasp and freak out. If I'm going to go, it's how I want to go, traumatizing as many women as possible. That's right. You, okay, for those of you who don't know, cracking your neck can give you a seizure. <laughs> if you didn't know that, cracking your neck is really bad for you and apparently can give you a seizure. It just happened to some 26-year-old dude. It's very, very scary to me because my neck cracks on its own. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'll do a sit-up and my neck will pop and I'll be like, well, fuck, how do you avoid that? <laughs> hmm. Your neck doesn't crack anymore, that means you're dead. If your neck doesn't crack anymore, that means you're dead. <laughs> That's not possible. I've never heard that before. You're a corpse. <laughs> That's not true. Neck doesn't crack. Come here, I'll crack your neck. <laughs> Aw, I've missed it too, Jesse. Thank you so much for coming out. Okay. <clears throat> I gotta focus. I'm not even that high. I'm just kind of rambly tonight. My dearest girl, this moment I have set myself to copy some verses out fair. I cannot process with any degree of content. I must write you a line or two and see if that will assist 
in dismissing you from my mind for ever so short a time. Upon my soul, I can think of nothing else. This time that passed when I had power to advise and warn you against the unpromising morning of my life. My love has made me selfish. I cannot exist without you. I am forgetful of everything but seeing you again. My life seems to stop there. I see no further. You have absorbed me. I have a sensation at the present moment as though I was dissolving. I should be exquisitely miserable without the hope of soon seeing you. I should be afraid to separate myself far from you. My sweet Fanny, will your heart never change? My love, will it? I have no limit now to my love. Your note came in just here. I cannot be happier away from you. It is richer than the agassy of perils. Do not threat me, even in jest. I have been astonished that men could die martyrs for religion. I have shuddered at it. I shudder no more. I could be martyred for my religion. Love is my religion. I could die for that. I could die for you. My creed is love, and you are its only tenant. You have ravished me away by a power I cannot resist, and yet... I could resist till I saw you. And, and, and even since I have seen you, I have endeavored often to reason against the reasons of my love. I can do that no more. The pain would be too great. My love is selfish. I cannot be without you. Yours forever. John Keats. John Keats to Fanny Braun. <clears throat> and here's one that I would like to go ahead and dedicate to a very, very special lady of the night. I've never done this before, but in this last poem, I do want to dedicate to a very special lady of the night. <clears throat> you are a horse running alone, and he tries to tame you, compares you to an impossible highway, to a burning house, says you are blinding him, that he could never leave you, forget you, want anything but you. You dizzy him. You are unbearable. Every woman before or after you is doused in your name. You fill his mouth. His teeth ache with memory of taste. His body just a long shadow seeking yours. But you are always too intense. Frightened in the way you want him. Unashamed and sacrificial. He tells you that no man can live up to the one who lives in your head, and you tried to change, didn't you? 
closed your mouth more, tried to be softer, prettier, less volatile, less awake, but even when sleeping, you could feel him traveling away from you in his dreams. So what you did, you want to do, love. Split his head open? You can't make homes out of human beings. Someone should have already told you that. And if he wants to leave, then let him leave. You are terrifying, strange, and beautiful. Something not everyone knows how to love. I dedicate that to all of you because of its title. For Women Who Are Difficult to Love by Warshan Shire. Oh, it was a joke. It was a little joke at the end. I'm glad that you all enjoyed it. That was poetry for this evening. <laughs> well, hopefully you swooned and smiled a little bit. I remember at one point somebody told me that to call a woman difficult would be sexist. But then Trump was elected. And I feel pretty strongly that you can, you can pretty much call a woman difficult these days and she's fine. Ah! <laughs> I literally hear worse all the time, says the lady. So uh, thank you, Trump, for making feminists better just by bringing up the test score average. The average, the average male feminist in a, the average male feminist in a test score before Trump was, was 43, after it's 42, but the lowest score was 18. So he's bumped up all the averages, and now we all pass. Thanks, Trump. We win. <laughs> the way that men always do, without any effort or change. Okay. <clears throat> Let's get into the sexy stories. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the blurb at the start of this one, because why not? Co-workers Rick and Bella decide to go on an afternoon trip to escape the frenzy and find themselves exploring a new kind of relationship. Go with them on a sensual trip in this erotic free story. Hold on. Those last three words are bolded. Go with them on this sensual trip with this erotic free story. See, I need to do shit like that for my stories. I just can't. I'm blushing for this other person. Here we go. <clears throat> the weather was warm and sunny, so Rick sent Belle a text message reminding her that they had a date. They had planned to go on a boat ride, but somehow they were always too busy, or the weather was never friendly enough. Rick, <laughs> it's you. Bella called out when she saw Rick waving to her from his boat. She had worn her sexiest two-piece bathing suit, hoping to show off her ample bosom and generous hips. She knew everyone in the office thought she was hot, and Rick always seemed immune to this office chatter. But they started up a friendship nonetheless. Rick smiled at her when she made her way to the boat and climbed aboard. The sun felt comforting on her back and shoulders as Rick drove out into the sunshine. Beautiful day, right? Rick asked, adjusting his dark sunglasses. Bella smiled and nodded. They had gone far enough, and they no longer passed any other boats, so Bella untied her bikini top 
and stretched down on a towel spread out on the floor. The sun kissed her bare skin and brought a smile to her face. Her breasts bounced softly as the boat moved. She closed her eyes and inhaled. She smiled when she felt large hands covering her breasts, rubbing her nipples. Rick. She moaned his name softly. Rick pulled her forward, brushing her lips against his. He smelled nice. Oh. She moaned when he buried his face in her neck. Rick lowered his mouth to her beautiful breasts. Bella's pink nipples begged for his touch, swelling and filling his palm when he obliged. He flicked his tongue over a nipple, and she gave a startled cry, clamping her legs together to quell the, fur the fire starting in her core. Bella held his hand and kept it to her chest as she sucked and kissed and caressed her breasts. His hand moved down her body and slipped under the elastic of her bathing suit to cup her pert cheeks and squeeze the subtle flesh. He pulled down the bikini until she exposed until she lay exposed and hot for him. I've wanted you for the longest time, Bella. The hunger burned fiery in his eyes. She reached up and pulled down his short, his shorts and his hardness sprang out proud and free. She rose and knelt before his majestic erection, tugging and pulling, her nails gently scratching his thick leg. She took him into her mouth and felt the length at the back of her throat and began to stroke her mouth, groaning as her tongue worked his hot shaft. Then he could not take the torture anymore. He sank down beside her and pulled her on the towel with him. He positioned his erection at her hot entrance and stroked her. He bent over her wetness and sucked her hot center as she cried out, her juices glistening, his sexy lips. Bella arched her back, threw back her head, and rose to meet his ravaging tongue and lips. He slid into her in one sleek thrust, and she shook with pleasure. You're so big, she moaned. I like the way you fill me up. Rick started a lazy rhythmic pumping Bella as she writhed underneath him. It was the way he filled and stretched her, the way he took his time to thrust into her until she was completely buried in her molten heat before pulling out and repeating the plunge. Then his thrust picked up speed and went wild, pumping harder now as he felt his first shudder of climax rocking Bella's body. She dug her nail into his back as she stood, as she opened herself wider to him, trying to take him deeper than physically possible. He cupped her breasts and pounded her hard and fast. The wave was close now, so she cried out as she came a second time. There was no stopping Rick now. He swelled inside her as he thrust away. He was close to following her over the edge. He turned her body so that her swollen clitoris brushed against his hardness. The contact drove him mad. He bucked against her as the waves also overcame him, and he collapsed on her chest, spent. Later, he took her hand and whispered something in her ear. Yes, Bella smiled her response. I'll go to dinner with you on Saturday. 
Uh, that is posted by Clara, and it is known as Rocking the Boat, Essential Story. And that is on smilemakerscollection.com. <laughs> Never heard of that before. So just a fun little boat fuck. Just everything you wanted to get out of a Gilligan's Island fanfic, but never did. <clears throat> Guys, that is not like a bring down the house kind of piece, but here's the tip jar anyway. Hopefully you're enjoying tonight's show. I am doing the tip jar now because after this, it is going to be done. After this big, big piece, we just didn't have a lot of requests tonight. So you guys, you got to do more requests. You got to bring them. Listen to how ready I was to bring it tonight. Oh, it's so sad. You guys got to come. You got to come to these shows. You got to bring more requests. I am ready for two, two and a half hour shows. Look at me streaming the games these days. It's just going to show up. Okay, here we go. It is going to go ahead and be our last piece for tonight. I don't know if this is serious or not. Either way, I'm going to give it everything I've got. I was flying up to Scotland for Easter to fuck Bella, my old traveling companion and lover. But I had not bargained for the unseasonal weather putting a damper on my plans. At Victoria, I fought my way through the Good Friday crowds, smelling of stale sweat, smoke, and wet dog. The platform at Gatswick Express was curiously quiet, as was the train itself. At first, I took no notice. I was delighted to have a table all to myself, and I settled in for the journey. It slowly dawned on me something was wrong. I had got my times mixed up, or I was on the wrong train altogether. I checked my phone and was shocked to find 10 inches of snow had been dumped on the south of England in the last two hours alone. Snow in April was unusual, but this much snow was unheard of. I scrolled through the news on my phone. Gatwick Airport was gridlocked. Flights were being canceled. Other parts of London were shutting down and train services were delayed or disrupted. With a heavy heart... I checked my flight to Inverness. As I suspected, it was canceled. I flopped back in my seat. I imagined Bella sitting at her kitchen table, looking wistfully at the window at the seals on the shore of Cromty Firth, drinking a glass of gin while another glass, meant for me, sat empty on the table. The prospect of canceling the trip made me realize how much I was desperate to get away and see my friend. She was the only woman I knew with a higher sex drive than me. After so long looking forward to this trip, the thought of not seeing her made me yearn for her touch. I smiled at the memory of the night. Years ago, she seduced me by, handcuff, by handcuffing my wrist to the bedstead before spanking and fucking me. Unconventional, yet effective. It had been the start of my journey exploring my submissive side, and every time we met up, she had something new for me to try. I opened my bag to check. I had packed the goodies she asked me to bring for her this time. Butt plug? Check. Writing crop? Check. Spanking cream? Check. I zipped my bag and looked around furtively in case anyone had seen me handling the items. I watched the only other person in the carriage walk out through the doors at the other end. The train wasn't going anywhere. Fuck it, I thought. 
the stupid weather is not going to stop me. One way or another, I'm going to make it. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, shit, I said to myself. This train was going somewhere. Bloody Gatwick. I didn't want to end up out there. I had to get out. And quick. I grabbed my bag and leapt for the doors, tumbling through them. I slipped on the wet platform but managed to right myself before falling on my arse. I ran towards the main concourse. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. I ran towards the main concourse and pushed my way through the stinking, steaming crowds to the ticket office. It was mobbed. With a deep sigh, I joined the long queue to see if I could get to Inverness by rail. The enforced wait in the queue gave me time to check my options. I figured I could make the three o'clock, claim, the three o'clock train. It didn't arrive until nearly midnight, and to catch the train, I would have to dash over to Euston, so it was going to be tight. But it was my best shot. At last... I made it to the front of the queue, only to be told the three o'clock train was sold out. Dejected, I started to ask for a ticket back home to Norfolk, but was interrupted by the teller. However, my ears pricked up. Yes. He told me I could catch the overnight train and be there at eight the next morning. That was 12 hours later than planned, but it did mean first thing on Saturday morning and I would be in the highlands with my old friend, with no gin hangover, fresh and raring to go exploring. Whether Bella and I would be exploring the contours of the rugged Scottish hills or each other's silky smooth English bodies was a question for tomorrow. How much? I asked, then balked when he told me it was 215 pounds for a first-class cabin the only beds left on the train. My flight only cost 26 pounds, and if it wasn't for global warming, I'd be boarding a plane right about now. There was no way I could justify spending over 200 quid, so I inwardly cursed my luck and decided I would have to just go home. But the teller was not finished. Your other option is to book a seat. There is one left for only 40 quid. Without hesitation, I said, I'll take it, and thrust my credit card over the counter. With my passage north secure, I texted Bella to tell her I was still coming, but now I would be later than originally planned. She she messaged straight back, telling me the tonic water was back in the fridge, and she would meet me in the morning at the train station, sorted. The guard blew his whistle and the carriage doors slid shut. This was going to be a long train journey. I'd only been on a sleeper once before, years ago, on a train to Edinburgh as a teenager, sharing a cabin with my mom. The trip had been exciting and fun. This was going to be the opposite of exciting and fun. I would spend the next 12 hours in a seat with minimal legroom next to the man mountain in the window seat behind beside me, encroaching on my space. To avoid bodily contact with him, I swung my legs out into the corridor. If anyone wanted past, they would have to climb over my knees or wake me up and ask me to move, if they dared. I snapped on the free blindfold and shut my eyes, planning to fall asleep and sleep until morning. In the darkness, my mind drifted. I thought of the last time I had taken a train to Scotland. I traveled up north to visit a sex club with Mambo 
a man I met online. I didn't even know his real name, yet on a crazy whim, I traveled up to Edinburgh to fuck him. I'd fulfilled more than one of my fantasies that night, and thinking about it now was turning me on. The rocking of the train, as it started off on its journey, made me jiggle ever so slightly, back and forth on my seat, which had also started to heat up when the engine was turned on. Remembering my various encounters from that night was making my panties wet. My legs were drifting open, and, as the feeling quickly grew, I couldn't help but touch my thighs. The desire for sex to be filled up was soon overwhelming. My nipples were aching to be touched. I was aware of a shallow breathing and the warm feeling I get in my face whenever I'm flushed. With the blindfold on it, felt like I was alone in the dark. If I booked the first-class cabin, I could have masturbated my way to Scotland. I then remembered I was sitting in a brightly lit coach with my legs swung out in the aisle in a rather provocative manner. Conscientiously trying to fight my aroused body, I pushed my thighs together and cursed myself for buying a seat. The movement of the train and the vibrating through the warm seat made it difficult not to stay aroused. I realized there was another vibration coming from somewhere. Reaching down under my thigh, I found my phone vibrating. I let it continue a few seconds, enjoying the illicit sensation, before deciding it would be Bella and I should take the call. Without removing the blindfold, I answered the phone. Hello, Amy, said a soft Scottish voice that set off butterflies in my stomach. Only one person called me that name, Mambo. <clears throat> Hi, Mambo, I said, trying to sound normal. I, I wasn't expecting... Actually, I was just thinking about you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Good to know I still have that effect on you. What, what do you mean? Sprawled out on a train, idly touching yourself while thinking about me. I'm touched. What? I spluttered. How do you... I lifted the blindfold and scanned the carriage for him. While I remembered how he made me feel, I could barely remember what he looked like. You sound surprised. I sound surprised. Where are you? Are you on the... Yes. I clambered over your legs a few moments ago. My brain blanked out. I felt at once utterly flummoxed and yet still turned on. I had been daydreaming about this man who had satisfied me so completely. Now, here he was. In the flesh. My mind cleared. You stepped over me. You should have at least said hello. I said, I was going to, but you look so happy there, playing with yourself. He said, I blushed. When I reached my cabin, I couldn't stop thinking about you, so I thought I'd give you a call and ask you if you would like to travel with me in my first-class cabin. There's plenty of room. The butterflies in my stomach fluttered south to my pussy. When you say travel, do you mean fuck? He laughed. I mean, we can do both. A wide grin played across my face. What cabin are you in? Minutes later, I was standing outside Coach H Cabin 6, ready for action. I took the horsewhip out of my bag, then knocked on the door. 
Mambo opened it. Look who it is. You came. Not yet. I replied, walking past him into the cabin and throwing my bag onto his double bed. But I'm sure you'll sort that out for me, big boy. I thrust the whip between his legs and through his denim jeans. I rubbed the leather tongue against the underside of his balls. Mambo bit his lip. What's with the whip? It's a riding crop. I prodded the end of the whip into his chest. Take your clothes off. He raised an eyebrow. No, how have you been? Funniest meeting like this? What are you doing on the train to Scotland? I prodded him again with the whip. Close, now. As you wish. He said, and began unbuttoning his shirt with well-groomed fingers. His shirt fell to the floor. The sight of his naked torso set those butterflies in my pussy off. I ran the tongue of the crop from his navel up to his chest and across one of the nipples. Then the other. Mambo unbuckled his belt and pulled it through the belt hoops in his waistband. Holding his belt buckle, he unzipped his trousers and let them fall to the floor. My eyes flashed to his boxer shorts. I could not resist a look at his cock. It was straining against the white fabric of his boxer shorts, pushing the elastic waistband away from his body. At that moment, the train jolted, so I lost my balance and fell towards him, who caught me in his arms. Before I knew what was happening, his belt was around my neck, and it was threatening it through a buckle. I pushed him away, but that only tightened the belt around my neck. The leather was warm and soft, but if I pulled too much, it choked. His hand met mine, helpless to do anything else. I released the riding crop into his grip. With his other hand, he pulled firmly on the belt. With it tight around my neck, I grasped, I gasped for breath. <clears throat> if that's the way you want to play it, suits me. Now, you strip to the waist. He commanded, and then loosened the belt slightly. I slid off my jacket and threw it onto the bed, fingers shaking. I removed my blouse and bra. They followed my jacket onto the bed. Mambo used the riding crop to toy with my areola. He licked the leather tongue and then used the small strap of animal hide to stroke my nipples until they hardened. On your knees, he said, giving the belt a tug. I dropped to my knees. Take off my boxers. I lifted my hands to take hold of his waistband and pulled down his shorts, but he swatted it away. No hands, mouth only. He said with another tug on the belt. Yes, sir. I replied, and his boxer shorts, a circle of wet had formed where the head of his exciting cock was pushing to be free from the white cotton. Leaning forward, I licked the wetness of his boxers, tasting his aroused cockhead through the fabric. I licked my lips and deftly took hold of his boxers' waistband in my teeth, then pulled it out and down over his erection, and once it was released from the confines of the shorts, sprang up, the head glistening. 
Resisting the urge to gobble his cock straight away, I kept hold of the pants in my teeth and pulled them down from his thighs, past his knees, to his ankle. He stepped out of them and yanked on his belt, making me straighten up so I was facing his erection. Are your cocksucking skills as good as I remember? He asked. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Let's find out. I replied. I took a long lick from the base of his shaft to the tip of his throbbing, shiny helmet, when I then engulfed with my willing lips. We both moaned, mambo with appreciation, I with satisfaction. Some people love biting into the bar of a hazelnut chocolate, and others crave licking a cone of strawberry ice cream. But give me a hot, hard cock to suck on every time, and I'm in my own personal horny heaven. You are so good at that. Your mouth fits my cock perfectly. Safe in the knowledge I was satisfying Mamba with my mouth, I couldn't resist playing with myself again under my skirt. My panties were slick with my juices, my pussy lips swollen, my clit desperate to be touched. Mambo, who was using the riding crop to tease my breasts, swished it downwards, stinging the wrist of my pussy-playing hand. No touching yourself tonight, Amy. Unless I give you clear instruction to do so, your pussy is my domain, he said. Forcing me to my feet, he took my hands and sucked the juice from my fingers. Mm. You taste wonderful. Take your skirt off. I was visibly shaking with anticipation as I struggled with the zip, much to Mambo's amusement. Here, let me help you, he said, smiling. He spun me around and pushed my face down on the bed, my arms out in front of me and my legs sticking out behind, hanging over the edge of the bed. I heard him unzip my skirt and then felt him slowly pulling it down to reveal my round ass cheeks. I wiggled my bum to show my enjoyment at having my clothes peeled off. Such a beautiful ass, he said, feeling the soft skin of my buttocks. It's so tempting. He massaged my buttocks and then gave me a couple of light taps. Knowing what was coming, I bit my lip and held my breath. Thwack! My ass cheek wobbled. My warm, stinging pain spread gloriously across my ass. I love these panties, but they will have to come off, said Mambo, grabbing the sides of my bikini-cut underwear and yanking them down my legs and off me. That's better, he declared, and gave my other ass cheek a playful yet firm slap. I heard myself say, do what you want with me. I felt the cheeks on my face go red as I imagined my arse cheeks were. Mambo laughed and pulled on the belt, forcing my, forcing my head up. I was planning on doing just that. First, I'm going to put this in here. He said, shoving my balled up panties in my mouth. And then, I'm gonna give you a good spanking with this fine thing. He waved the riding crop so I could see it out of the corner of my eye. If I could have licked my lips with delight, I would have done with my panties stuffed in my mouth and all. All I could do was moan my appreciation for what he was about to do. 
He removed the belt from my neck before pushing my head down onto the bed. He ran the crop's tongue slightly, gently up the inside of my left leg before removing the leather sensation momentarily, then bringing my tongue down hard on my right thigh, hard enough for me to let out a shocked yelp. As I recovered from the, string, from the sting, he ran the crop over my right leg, over the welt that had just produced, and up to my buttocks before whipping the inside of my left leg. He repeated this pattern with the riding crop, a soft, slow lick up one inner thigh, followed by a short, stinging, stinging lash down the other. Each lick and lash moved the tongue closer to my buttocks until they, too, were part of the game. With each buttocks lasted, lashed six or seven times, he stopped. As I lay face down on the bed, the vibrations from the next train as it charged through the English countryside was enough to send small shivers of pleasure through my prone body. What's next? I wondered. He directed me with the riding crop, making, my, making me place my arms down at my sides and tucking my knees in under my body with my arse stuck up in the air. He ran the whip from the small of my back between my butt cheeks and stopped with the tongue resting on my pussy lips. He rubbed the black leather against me slowly and tenderly before tapping the tongue against my already swollen lips. The first three taps were gentle, but the fourth one was harder and stung, making me grab handfuls of duvet and wiggle my ass, trying to shake off the pain. I let out a moan. You know I desperately want to fuck you, Amy, Mambo said. He knelt on the bed so that he could remove the panties in my mouth. When he had done that, he asked me, What do you want? I want you, Mambo, I said, I was practically begging. I want your cock inside me. My hand drifted back between my legs. I need it inside me. Mambo instantly spotted my transgression. What did I say about no hands? You said not to use my hands, I said while my fingers were caressing my outer lips. Mambo snatched the horse crop from the bed and with it swiped my hand away from my pussy. He tied my hands together with the belt that he had around my neck. You need to learn to take instructions. No cock for you, he said. What? I shouted out. You can't tease like that. I should have kept that belt around your neck. You need to learn not to touch yourself, he chuckled. Unless I tell you to, that is. So what do you want for me to do now? I asked. He popped my panties back into my mouth before sliding off the bed and standing up straight. Turn over. On your back. Open your legs. As soon as I had done this, Mambo brought down the tongue onto my pubic bone. In the corner of my eyes, tears began to well up. I let out a muffled scream when I realized he was going to do it again. I closed my eyes moment before he brought down the tongue again, this time so close to my clit that my whole body shook, and I let out a primal wail. Mambo took the panties from my mouth. What the? He started. I started, but he simply finished by fingering my lips, silencing me. Mambo knelt down. He lifted my legs and placed my feet flat onto the bed. Positioned between my knees, 
He kissed and caressed my spread legs, working his way up to my pussy as the pain from the sharp lash subsided. My lips quivered with anticipation as his mouth drew closer, and then, at last, his hands drew themselves round my buttocks as his tongue made contact. I felt a finger slide in and, together with a thumb, clasp and rub my perennial tissue. He gently kissed my pink, shimmering lips, nibbling them softly before doing the same to my pulsing, tingling clit. Continuing to play with the perineum of one thumb, Mambo used the other hand to massage around my clit, his thumb rubbing the outside of a finger pressing inside. He was alternatively licking the length of my pussy and then across, side to side with long, languorous laps of his tongue. As he worked himself into a rhythm of licking and rubbing, the stress and strain of the last few hours began to work itself out of my body. Oh, God. I purred before letting it go. Fuck. That's good. I shouted, pushing my legs apart further, and then, put your cock in me, and eat me, you fucker. Waves of sexual excitement washed through me as I vocalized my desires. Mambo responded by redoubling his efforts. He pushed another finger in to join the one caressing the ceiling of my pussy. He rested the flat of his tongue against my pussy with enough pressure to cause pleasure, but not enough to take me anywhere near orgasm. The bastard was making me do the work. I had to grind myself against his tongue, pummeling it with my pussy until I could grind no more. I lay back, exhausted. At that moment, Mambo's tongue sprang to life and he licked me into a stupor again before letting his tongue fall flat against my lips. Almost involuntarily, I again began to grind against his tongue, pushing myself onto his face and fingers until I exhausted myself. His tongue hardened, licking round my clit, making me pull my legs together, clasping his head between my thighs, my hands grasping at his hair, forcing him to finish what he had started. His thumb bruised my asshole. His licks were becoming less predictable. He pushed his thumb into my ass. My eyes rolled back into my head. Keep going, I tried to say. It came out as gobbledygook. My mouth was dry. I was panting heavily, and I could feel my voice shaking. I tried to speak again and couldn't. Instead, I giggled as Mambo teased my orgasm out of me. When it happened, I was shuddering, delightful, simply wonderful. I pulled him against me until the touch of his tongue flicking against me ever so gently on my clit was too much to bear, and I pushed him away, gasping with fulfillment. We lay there, Mambo's head between my thighs. After a few minutes, he begins to caress and kiss me again, at first slow, lingering, and then more passionate and pervasive. Riding his tongue, I begin the intense build to another orgasm. When I'm close to coming, I pull his hair through gritted teeth and tell him to fuck me. I want you inside me. Now. With a final tongue flick to my clit, he lifts himself up over my body until his hot throbbing cock was resting where his tongue had been moments before. Smiling down at me, he pushed himself in, right down to the base of his cock, so my clit was in direct contact with his pubic bone. And once, he rocked it in firmly, but gently, to another 
orgasm. As my orgasm subsided, Mamba pulled out and rubbed the tip of his cock against my clit head. The sensation was awesome until it became unbearable when, at that very instant, Mambo unleashed a spray of thick, hot cum and smashed against my clit like heavy waves smashing against a harbor wall. The result was devastating. The spunk broke over my clit, splashing down on my midriff and leaving a quivering rake in, wreck in its wake. My tied hands clawed at the air, and my whole body sang as it seemed to lift off the bed before crashing back down onto the firm mattress. This was accompanied by the train jolting to a halt. Mambo lost his balance and fell against the wall, then bounced onto the bed behind me. He laughed. He undid the belt tied round my wrists. <laughs> you made the earth move, I whispered, taking his hand and lying it to my breast. He pulled the duvet off the floor and covered our bodies. He pulled me into him and kissed me softly on the neck. I turned to face him and we kissed passionately before I turned away and pulled his arm tightly round me. I soon fell into a deep sleep. When I woke, there was a hint of surprise peeking in the window. I could hear water running and looking over, I saw Mambo washing himself in the shower, the door between the shower and the cabin left open. I absent-mindedly absent circled my nipple as I watched him lather his chest with water. His hands washed lower down and my eyeline was drawn to his stomach, his abdomen, and then his cock, semi-erect and growing. I caught his eye. Morning, where are we? Just coming into Dalwini. We'll be in Inverness in about an hour. He replied, You coming in? It's a tight squeeze, but the shower is decent. I suppose I should wash your cum off my tits. I said with a cheeky grin, I didn't come on your tits, beautifully formed that they are and perfect for it, said Mambo, his confused look turning into a wide smile as the penny dropped as the penny dropped and his dick leaped to attention. He grabbed a towel and strode over to me, which, with the cabin the size it was, took three steps at most. Using the towel to dry his hair, he stood by the window and opened his blind eye at the same time as I opened my mouth for his delectable cock. that. Uh, technical interruption. One second here. His delectable cock. Let's give the locals something to talk about other than the weather, he said. So the train trundled away slowly and the station as night broke into day. The early morning commuters at Dalwinnie caught a glimpse of my blowjob skills. At Newton Moor, I was leaning against the window with one hand firmly rubbing my clit with the other while Mambo took me from behind so that the passengers at the station had a perfect view of my brazenly exposed tits bouncing up and down. At Kingusi, I orgasm loudly in front of a station full of onlooking travelers while I massage the tip of Mambo's cock, making him come all over my neck. 
and tits. A few minutes before we reached the station, I was already close to orgasm. I'm coming, I gasped. Not yet, ordered Mambo. Do it when the train rolls into the station. We'll do it together. But I'm so close, I pleaded. So am I, he replied, a wicked grin on his face. Wait for the station. And so I spent the next three or four minutes edging both of us closer and closer, and with the train slowing down, those minutes and seconds stretched out, making the build-up to orgasm seem longer and longer. It felt like agony would never end until the last train rolled into the stop and our shared agony turned to ecstasy, the looks on our faces not dissimilar to the looks on the people standing on the snow-covered platform. The thrill of being watched added an extra layer of frisson of excitement to our impromptu fuck session. After a shower, we ventured out for breakfast at the buffet car. Why are people looking at us so funny? I whispered to Mambo. I wondered that too, he said. Then I watched the realization dawn on his face as I too grasped the situation. The travelers we had passed at the three stations had boarded the train, it seems, and had all made their way to the buffet car for some coffee and to talk about what they had seen through the train window. Us. Feeling self-conscious, I slunk back to the cabin, leaving Mambo to buy tea and muffins. A few minutes later, he returned carrying the breakfast tray, shaking his head with embarrassment. I told you, we should have ordered room service. I laughed. Mambo picked up a muffin and tossed it at my head. Uh huh. Mambo put down the tray of food. Amy, you are insatiable. Get over here. As the train slowed on its approach to Inverness, we said our goodbyes in Mambo's cabin. After our unashamed public display at the window, we figured it was best to be discreet as we left the train. I told Mambo I was meeting Bella at the station, and since I was staying for a week, there was a possibility of us two meeting up again. The idea of us introducing my two lovers crossed my mind, but I thought it best to talk it over with Bella. On the platform, Bella wrapped her arms around me and kissed me on both cheeks. She gave me a curious look. I think she could smell the sex on me. Good train journey, she asked, running her hand down my back and squeezing my buttocks. The best, I said, stroking hair out of her eye. Let's get back to yours and I'll tell you all about it. From the corner of my eye, I saw Mambo stride up the platform from the train toward us. As he drew level, he winked at me and smiled. And then, he was gone. This was written by Ellery Mantu. I don't have a title for it. Ellery Mantu. E-L-L-E-R-Y-M-A-N-T-E-A-U. Ellery Mantu. Oh, and I do have a name for it. It is Writing First Class. So I'm just going to say as we close out the show, let's put a tip link in just in case anybody is just feeling super generous. Uh, as we close out the show, uh, I just want to say that I thought that that was going to go a very different direction. I thought that this show or that this uh, uh, piece was going to be awful. Uh for the first, I don't know, 10% of it until, until she actually got on the train. And I'll tell you why. I have never read 
a better definition of pornography than people take too long to travel to get where they're going. This is a definition invented by Umberto Eco, the great writer. I really enjoy him and his work. And he has a series of essays called How to Travel with the Salmon that was uh, fairly consequential, I think, to my young life. And in it, he talks about a porn in which a guy's going to go over and fuck a gal. It's an Italian porn. And the gal calls him up. She's like, you should come over and fuck me. He's like, all right. And then the guy leaves his apartment. And then we see him leaving his building. And then we see him waiting for a bus. And then we see him get on the bus. And then we see him get off the bus. And then we see him go into her apartment. We see all those different scenes take place on screen. And Umberto Eco says, this would only ever happen in pornography. Because in pornography, waiting to get to the sex is part of the story. In every other story, you would skip all that travel and get right to it. And that is why Lord of the Rings sucks. Okay, I hope everybody had an amazing show tonight. I hope everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> I had a really good time. Not a lot of people showed up for those of you at home, so please consider coming out next week. Everybody who comes out, everybody who, who shows up, it really just increases the energy of every single show. I can't invite you enough. Listen to how much fun we all had. Oh my goodness, I'm getting stronger and better all the time. Today's kind of a sick day, and I still rocked it out. You can hear me getting a little bit sicker and a little bit sicker. I've been flying to work all weekend. I might just have to take a sick day. You can hear it happening. And even with a sick day, listen to, listen to me rocking it. Just rocking it. Just nailing it. So I absolutely positively need you guys to come out for another show sometime in the future. Thank you so much again. This has been a live show from The Great Night. I really hope to see you next week. I do appreciate each and every last one of you. See you then.